What is it about Tasmania that excites scientists so much? Well, Hobart is Science City, as we've said on the Science Show before. Just look around. So many labs, CSIRO, amazing animals, and also top 100 scientists. Elizabeth Blackburn, Nobel laureate. Derek Denton, founder of the Flory. Leela Landowski, Eureka finalist and brain whiz. Grote Reba, an inventor of radio astronomy. On and on. No wonder Gail McCullum moved there with Cosmos. Hello, Robin Williams. Good to be with you again. Yes, Cosmos, one of Australia's very few homegrown science magazines still going, and they've just scored the 100th edition and counting. The editor is Gail McCullum, and she's from one of our journalistic royal families. How long have you been editor now? Four years, give or take. And you've just reached and passed the 100th edition with the most wonderful cover, which will describe in a minute but the theme was hope why did you choose that well i think science is one of the most hopeful possibilities we have on the planet it's our best chance for our best future and it's our only chance for any future and actually i think scientists and what they do exhibiting daily commitment to hope every day they go to work in a variety of different fields whether you think about it or not thousands of people go to work to solve a problem that they think is going to make the world better and they're often right Aren't they just doing science for science sake? Science for science sake still leads to some outcomes. Famously, many of the great science discoveries come as mistakes, epiphanies or things that were being searched for on the way to something else. I mean, a lot of people argue about space research at a time when we've got so many problems down here that need solving. I don't think it's a binary choice. I don't think it has to be either or. Humans are inbuilt for curiosity. We're inbuilt to try and discover. And who knows what collateral information we'll discover along the way. Now, you appealed to your readers for evidence of their own hope. What sort of replies did you get? We got a lot of fabulous children considering what they wanted. A lot of them involved flying cars, which is, again, something personal to me. I'm very glad that people want flying cars as well. And a lot of them facing the things of climate and offering suggestions or solutions for things that might help keep us on this planet in a habitable way. Why do you like flying cars? Because aren't they bad enough in gridlock, especially in big cities? Maybe unlike Hobart, where you're living, but imagine them flying around as well. Well, look, it's a bit of a joke on my part. In the 60s or in the, you know, in the early 70s, that was going to be the idea. We were going to have flying cars. The world was going to look like the Jetsons. You think about Star Trek. A lot of things have come to pass as a result of that, but a few of the things haven't. I love the idea, if you think about the Jetsons and you think about their maid, Rosie, you know, that was something we all thought was going to happen. Our robot maids were going to come and make life easier. Of course, we now do have our robot maids in Roombas, but actually... Actually, that computing problem, that robotics problem remains the same. Robots are good at things that we find quite hard to do. They're actually not so great at doing things we find really easy to do, like emptying the dishwasher. It remains one of the great problems of the robotic era. Gail, you're from one of the great journalistic families of Australia. The name Mungo McCullum is, of course, ingrained on me because I knew old Mungo because he was there in the ABC in the beginning, directing television, the first ever, I think, ABC television news programme. And there's a picture of him on the third floor at Ultimo 
pointing at a very startled Prime Minister Menzies, <laughs> as if Mungo is in charge of the wonderful new studio. Did you know him well? I did. I had the great pleasure of the wonderful lunches on his balcony with Polly in Balmain. And he was a very graceful and gorgeous man. People might not know he was also a poet. He wrote a number of fiction books and a memoir. A man I love and I know he introduced you to particular kinds of technology. I've never met a man better with a fountain pen and less interested in telephones than, than him. And he was a truly superlative letter writer. So I treasure the letters I still have, even though we lived in the same city. He just <laughs> jot off a letter to brighten my day. Mungo McCullum is a famous name in the family. Why aren't you called Mungo as well? Well, luckily, I am a woman and there was some debate about that it had to be a man. There was a suggestion, I'm told, that Mungalina was on the possible names list for me. So I thank my mother dearly for that not being the outcome that occurred. But it does mean there aren't any Mungos left in the world. You know, maybe there'll be some more in the future. We're talking about this because it shows a great range of family interests and indeed humour. And that is clear in the magazine and the 100th edition absolutely delightful with a huge range of topic from animals to space and even you've got a particular one which shows there's not just stem but steam in other words art mixed up amongst the science technology and mathematics and such like and the cover you write a long piece on the cover and how it came to originate the cover is full of absolutely vibrant colours and fruit and water. What does it represent? Well, I think in the end, science is about telling a story. It's about answering questions and trying to solve mysteries. It is the best puzzle game we'll ever have. It is the best escape room that exists. It's just happening in real time. But in the end, it's about taking material and trying to build something with it, building a cohesive set of ideas or set of explanations. I love Jenny McCracken came up. We gave her a brief for what we wanted it to be, that idea idea of what's possible, what we've achieved, and there were some things that we wanted to include in that, a famous success story, a humpbacks, but of course there are big issues of our time, renewable energy, space, medicine, all of these things. And she came up with the concept of having this kind of reverse paint coming up through the cover, taking these raw materials and turning into this total universe. I will say that the cover was five metres high, is five metres high, and those of you who are in Adelaide are most welcome to go to the Royal institution and see it. It's a really striking piece of art. Marvellous, isn't it? Now, the challenge is, with all this variety, which represents true nature in a magazine, you are asking, to some extent, a challenge for the reader to concentrate and have the fun of exploration. Do you think 21st century readers are equipped to do it? I certainly hope so, Robin, because if they're not, I'm out of a job. I think that we're all seeking stories. Well, I'm certainly seeking stories that show me the path to the future. You know, we have a great deal of concern about it for all sorts of reasons, all of them real. And I feel like we need to be able to tell the stories about how that future can be a good one, a sustainable one, one that excites us. And it is the science of everything. So it's a job. You've got to be everywhere looking at all the things. And I agree with you, Robin. Smart is great. I love smart. Smart and funny is also great. It does tend to be a family trait. And I hope that what the magazine does for readers, not just people who are scientists, it's all for a general reader, is it just gives people an insight into that smart, funny, amazing work. Indeed. Well, I've always found it very, very easy to work through the magazine. 
because the headlines are there, the individual articles, plain, and they keep you up to date. Everything from mountain possums, <laughs> big me possums, and as I said, space stuff. So you know where you are, but it is like a, a very good book, a concentrated read. And whether the young people have got time to apply, you know, a good hour spent on that magazine is very much rewarding. Have kids got an hour these days? I grew up in a house that had New Yorkers. So I came to... That takes days. <laughs> and they come out every week, Robin. Goodness me, it's a full-time job. So I grew up loving the cartoons. I grew up in a house with National Geographic. So of course you love the picture spreads and all those things. I think there are things in every magazine that you can enjoy in the moment because you know you're interested. But I hope that the gift of it is that you can come back to it suddenly and see other things as you get to them as you're interested. I hope it's a mix of things that are long and short. I hope some of it tends more towards the funny and some of it more towards the world changing and the life changing. And I think of it actually less as a book and more as a shelf of books that each story has the opportunity to open that narrative. So I do think that people can get drawn in. It's part of magazine craft, I hope, that people can be drawn in by the illustration, by the words. Once you get caught, once you're hooked on the story, then how can you not finish it? I always need to know the end. And of course, the 101st edition is out. And what about the 102nd? Well on the drawing boards, lots of fun things to look forward to. Again, it never stops happening, does it? I was thinking about one of the reasons that I think hope was really important for us. In two, you know, The first issue came out and you were very involved in Cosmos's gestation and birth. 2006, if you think back to 2006 and think about what we've learned, what we've gained. Look at the advances in cancer treatment, in streamlined medical treatment. We no longer treat our cancer, we treat my cancer. Look at the advances in renewable energy. I'm hoping 102 through 199 all look at those advances issue by issue. And finally, of course, you're also online, are you not? We are. We have a fabulous daily site. We have a newsroom of seven journalists working out of South Australia and Melbourne. And, yeah, it's important. Without being too mawkish about it, the facts matter. Words have power. And the stories we tell about the future we're going to get, we're going to get the future we deserve with our learning, with our knowledge and with our belief in the facts. And that's what we hope we're doing every day at Cosmos. Thank you, Mangalina. Oh, God, never again, Robin. <laughs> oh, I hope she will. Gail McCullum, editor of Cosmos magazine in Hobart, where she lives and works. And yes, I am involved here and there with both the Royal Institution in Australia, based in Adelaide, and the Science Media Centre there.